Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Ari. Hello. Welcome to our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm here in Houston with Hari this weekend. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with him. He flew down just for this, just to talk about Allison Transmission. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, he uh, likes you guys that much. That much, guys. That much. I hope it's reciprocal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to be talking about part two of Allison Transmission. Um, before we do, give us a little scraper heart. Yeah. So this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are podcast that helps educate you and entertain you and uh, help you understand how value investing works. We are not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with uh, an advisor before um, making any financial decisions. Excellent. All right. Let's uh, get right to it, Hari. Um, so this is our continuation of our discussion around Allison Transmission. Yep. Uh, we talked about what it what it does, the competitive advantage, their relationships with customers, suppliers. We talked about all of that stuff in the previous episode. So please go check that out before listening to this one. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the financials, the management, and finally the valuation of Allison Transmission. And you might ask, why are you going through these things in this order? Well, that's because we're using our checklist. So if you don't have the checklist with you guys, please send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org to get a copy of our checklist, info at valueinvestor.org, or reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is valueinvestortv, valueinvestortv, all one word, lowercase. All right, let's get to it. <clears throat> right off the bat, the first question is the company able to translate its moat into high returns on capital? So we did talk about this on the last episode a little bit. On If we look at Greenblatt's, um, Joel Greenblatt's magic formula, return on tangible capital is actually quite good. Mm. So um, they don't have a whole lot of property, plant, and equipment. Um, they have a, uh, a manufacturing plant in Indianapolis, and a lot of their assets really come down to... Um, the fact that they are a uh, intellectual property company in in many ways, right? So they have these uh, lots of knowledge about how to build transmission that, you know, for us to go and build, you know, if we were to try and replicate their business, it would cost a lot more than the $800 million that, you know, they have in property, plant, and equipment, mm -hmm. right? So they're a custom business in some ways, and that for us to to replicate it, would be very difficult. So yeah. that generally means that they have a moat, yeah. right? Because a moat, if it was easy to do, everybody could do it and mm -hmm. compete with them. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a purely a moat, right? That, that that they are protected. And we talked about that before. But yeah. So I do think that they do have high return on capital based on that, you know, Joel Greenblatt's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, methodology. So Yeah, you mentioned some, some numbers in the last episode. Could you give us... Uh, the returns on you know uh, tangible asset. Yeah, so they had about uh, four hundred million in net um, property, plant, and equipment, and around four hundred million in networking capital. Mm -hmm. They generated about six hundred million in uh, earnings. Mm -hmm. So what is interesting about their business is that because of the cyclical nature, they have a lot of fixed 
assets. The, the property and plant and equipment isn't going to change year to year. Um, their working capital may fluctuate mm-hmm. um, to, based on demand. Uh, so, but you know, in a good years, it's seventy five percent. Like last year, twenty eighteen was a very good year for them, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it was such a high rate of return. Yeah, that's crazy high number right yeah. there. Okay, the next question is: Does a company have enough cash to maintain its business? That sort of goes in hand in hand with sort of like the debt level um, and also ability to just operate within their cash flow. Yeah, um, so I don't see any problems there. Uh, the company has about two and a half billion in debt. Mm-hmm. Um, they refinanced that after the 2018 annual report. Mm. Um, so in the last few months, they've refinanced it, but it didn't change the amount. Mm-hmm. Um, they just uh, pushed back the, the dates for mm. it. Um, and they they generate six hundred million in free cash flow, so I'm not too concerned about that. Now the question is, you know, in 2018 they had 2.7 billion in revenue. Mm-hmm. In 2014 they had put 2.1 billion in revenue, mm-hmm. and in between 2015, 2016, 2017, it went from 2.1 in 2014 to 1.9 to 1.8 to 2.2 to 2.7. Mm-hmm. So. Even in good years, right, the economy is doing well in the mm-hmm. last few years. It didn't really explode, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, with their revenue being that, they're, you know, they're, they're, they were still, you know, struggling with, you know, I, I think generating a solid amount of cash flow because their their net income at this point is roughly mirrors their free cash flow because yeah. that's, you know, just... Uh, how you know you would expect it to be uh, for a mature business, and in 2014 they had two 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 hundred and twenty nine million in in net income, and that tripled in 2018 to six hundred and thirty nine million. So I think the last few years, you know, they they were um, benefited from you know uh, some leverage, financial leverage on their um, on their earnings because mm-hmm. of they've made these previously had made investments that are now paying off. Mm -hmm. The problem that we're seeing is that this is a cyclical business. And as you can see from 2014 to 2018, if their revenue drops to like 2.1 billion, that essentially wipes out a lot of their profit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, they have to be making more money, you know, increasing the top line to really see any bottom line benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's heavily dependent on, um, you know, the, uh, the the industry and the market yeah. conditions. What's so. also interesting here is that it fluctuated quite a bit yeah. from 14 to 18. It just up and down, up and down. So again, going back to our cyclical nature, char- you know, characterization of this of this company and the and the industry. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question is: Does the company ha- maintain reasonable debt level? This is important, obviously, for bankruptcy reasons. Does it have? Insurmountable debt level, or is it is it reasonable? So I mentioned it was about two point five billion mm-hmm. and six hundred million in free cash flow. It's about four years to pay it off, which is a little bit higher than I'd like it to be. Yeah. What do you what, what, tell us? Uh, what what is your kind of threshold there? I'd like it to be three or less, three years to pay it off or less of free cash flow. Yep. Now it's not due until twenty twenty four, so it's not a huge deal. They're just paying interest on it, um, and they have time to to pay it off. But I'm just not happy with the fact that in if we hit a recession, you know that that number could get you know very small, um, and free cash flow is at its peak right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know they're actually anticipating this year to see a small decline mm. in revenue. Um, so, so we might expect five to six years possibly. Yeah. 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 So it, it's not a it's not a great it's not a great number from what I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a little bit too much debt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, at this to at this level, you know, there's really nothing that was red flagged until now. Yeah. Would you say at this level, would you sort of punt on this or would you continue? I'm right. still I'm still interested because okay. I want to see, even though I know that it's a cyclical business, could they potentially make an acquisition that really cements their name in the industry? Is there, I mean, they already own 60% of the market. Maybe with a c- couple of strategic acquisitions, they could really jack up the price on, you know, their customers, right? Sure. Um, so I don't see that. Okay. But, um... But I'm willing to continue. Okay. So. All right. Let's go down the list again. Yeah. At this point, uh, can company generate a strong amount of free cash flow from operations? We sort of talked about this, but more on this. Sorry. Yeah. So six hundred million and in, in a good year, 2019, they're expecting a three percent decline in revenue, and free cash flow to go from six hundred uh, million to five hundred million. Okay. So, or f- uh, they're saying between five fifty and six hundred. Sorry. So. Um, I'm not thrilled with that number. I mean, it's it's good, but it's not great, mm-hmm. right? And so where I where I would see this is, for the right price, I'd still be interested, mm-hmm. right? And so w- that's why we're going to have to wait till we get to the valuation to really know, um, you know, is this cheap enough to buy? Mm-hmm. Okay, that sort of closes off the financials aspect of the company and the checklist. Yeah. Let's move on to management. This is again very, very important for value investors as we are long-term investors. So the first question off the bat here, is management properly incentivized to protect shareholder interest over its own? For example, is the company owned by someone who founded the company or owns a significant portion of his or her net worth in the company? Yeah, so the company was founded 100 years ago, so no. <laughs> the founder, uh, is, founder is Founder is not alive uh, <laughs> and does not have any say in the... I, I don't know of any you know familial stake or anything like that. Um, so I think the, um, so actually I, I was mistaken, uh, cash flow for last year, free cash flow was, uh, 730 million, 730 million. Okay. So a little bit higher than I had, I had been saying, but, mm-hmm. um, and the previous year before that it was 558 million. Okay. So 2017, it was 558. 734 and they're expecting between 550 and 600 okay so this year so um yeah going back to management um you know i am not i didn't see anything there um that i really you know jumped out at me there was not a big shareholder that i you know i was you know would be relying on Mm -hmm. um so nothing there that kind of drives my you know makes me excited there Mm. okay and then, so the next question is, has management handled excess capital in a shareholder-friendly way? I think this is very important for our discussion here, and one of the reasons why we're interested in Allison Transmission to begin with. Um, how, has it, um, how has the company handled excess capital? So in the last five years, um, in two, 2014, they had 182 million shares outstanding. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, that number was 134 million. Mm-hmm. So... And did they buy back in one single year, or was it a sort of incremental change? Uh, so every year they had significant buybacks. Okay. So 
2014, 5 million shares, uh, then 8 million shares, then 19 million shares, then 16 million shares. Okay. So that was a $2 billion authorization since 2016 okay. to kind of help reduce this share count, okay. which is good. I like to see that, you know, um, they were trying to help uh, repurchase. Um, so in 2016, they had a billion dollar authorization in November. November 2017, they added 500 million to that. In 2018 of July, they had 500 million. And now they have around 400 million mm -hmm. left on the uh, on their share purchase. Mm -hmm. So they have not announced more. So they still could announce more to to do to do buybacks. Mm -hmm. um, so there's there was a you know we talked about share cannibals and how this was good. I think the problem that we have to f really tackle here is is there a share price. Are they buying at a cheap enough price mm -hmm. to really make that share pr cannibalization work? Because mm -hmm. if you took their net income uh, from 2018 and you actually divided it by the initial um, share, the it, yeah the 182 share uh, count that mm -hmm. they had. Mm -hmm. Harry took out his cell phone to calculate <laughs> the so share price. In in 2018, that would have been three dollars and fifty cents. Mm. Uh, it, it was actually four dollars and eighty one cents. Mm -hmm. So you got an extra dollar and thirty just for share buyback, share buyback yeah. which is pretty pretty it's awesome, great, yeah. right? So um, it's a fairly significant uh, bump, mm -hmm. a thirty percent bump, mm -hmm. and that accounts for a fairly large, you know, reason for. I mean, their net income improved. You know, it, it tripled, uh, but you also got an, an extra bonus from the mm. uh, from that. So. And that, that bonus is permanent, right? It continues going forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could make the argument that's a good use of capital. Could they continue doing that? Well, the problem is also related to their price, right? And so when we look at their valuation, I think what we'll find out is it's still really expensive, mm -hmm. right? And they're, you know, they have very strong earnings growth for the last five years, mm -hmm. over 30%, mm -hmm. or close to 30%. But 130, you know, million shares, you know, at $45 a share, is it still cheap? Mm. And that's really where I want to, you know, I want to keep going and look. Yeah, that sounds good. And then this sort of question, it's, I mean, the, this question here, our, the last question under management, is management honest, open and honest? What do you think? Any red flag that you see? It's, this, is a, see this is a hard one to yeah, answer. Yeah, it's a hard one to answer. And I didn't see any red flags by looking at their transcripts of conference calls and things like that. Okay. So Let's nothing, nothing really big there. Okay. I think we can move on to the next batch of questions um, under valuation. So is there a significant margin of safety? All of this goes back to our valuation calculation. So tell us, what is, um, what is, is there a margin of safety here, you think, or what do you think? Yeah, so this is where we get, get into the, the difficult question that I had here was, how easy is this to assign a growth rate to, mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm going to look at this company, they grew by 30% a year because you know they they're hitting a peak mm -hmm. right and i feel like this is a peak next year or 2019 is going to be a step down mm -hmm. i don't want to assign them a growth rate of you know 20 percent. i can't use the 40 percent number that they've grew in the last five years and i don't think i can actually assign them so i went with a conservative zero percent mm. wow okay and i just said that you know look the the because I, I don't know what the next five years is going to hold. That's and this, very, yeah, conservative. Yeah, this is the problem with the business like this is that 
And because I lack competence in this industry, I can't see five years out what is it going to look like, yeah. right? Um, they're a very mature business at 100 years old. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to tell that they're going to really you know, make a big splash uh, in the next five years. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're buying companies here and there, but they're pretty small acquisitions. You know, the, I think the Q1 or um, last year, Q4 of last year, they bought a company, but it was like a $10 million acquisition. It's a so small, yeah. tiny businesses that they're buying. Um, so I'm not too comfortable with giving them a huge bonus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I held that at zero I, you know, and they do have that two and a half billion in debt that I have to assign. So, I, I mean, I got a margin of safety price, you know, around $15 a share. And um, what is it trading at now? $45 a share. Okay. So, I would like to think that, you know, if they continue the share buybacks, that they would do so at a lower price, mm-hmm. right? And to some extent, they're maintaining that higher price that they've already had. By the existing share buybacks. Yeah. So, you know, they have $400 million left if they continue to authorize it. I just think it's a poor use of their, their capital at this point. Mm. They're, you know, they have to pay a lot in interest expenses, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so why not reduce the interest expense, um, which it's not terrible, but it's still there. Um, before. Before. And, and, let, and if the share price drops, because it will probably drop as the cyclical part of this picks mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Price goes down, you know, because last, you know, 2017, uh, you could have had this stock for less than $30 a share. Yeah. And so now we're much closer to that margin of safety price. Yeah. Buy it, hold it, uh, you know, wait, you know, wait, build yeah. up your capital war chest, pay down some debt when you need to, and then buy back a big chunk of your shares. Yeah. That yeah. to me would be a better allocation of capital. And so the reason that I would, you know, pass on a best business like this is I don't feel like the capital allocation is as shareholder friendly as it could be. Mm -hmm. They are a cannibal. They are buying back shares and they've reduced their share count by 25%, Mm -hmm. but it's not enough in the, that they could have done a lot more with their, their, their price. Mm -hmm. Um, had they, had they been more, you know, efficient with their, Mm -hmm. their, their share buybacks. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think at that point, um, I mean, we're we're sort of at the end of the of the checklist, but it seems like a glaring sort of, um, I don't want to say error, but this is a red flag for us uh, in in going down the checklist. If you see something like this, this is a red flag in terms of actually moving forward with an investments, and that's why we do these checklists. You know, we have to go through all of them one by one and methodically analyze. And at the end, we turn we find out that the valuation is too high. For the, for them to be doing um, buybacks, right? And you know this is the case even with this is a case especially with um, with uh, debt level that they have. So yeah, um, I think at this point it's safe to say that um, you would pass on Allison Technology transmission. Yeah, yeah and and you know I, I wouldn't say at the right price it wouldn't be a necessarily a bad investment. Mm. Maybe at the the trough of the next cycle you'd see a better price. Um, you know, and, you know, at that time, if they, they buy back shares, you may have a better, you know, you have a tailwind behind you. But mm-hmm. right now, not enough to really make me interested. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, this was an interesting, uh, this was an interesting case study where you have, this is a nice contrast between N- N- uh, NV- NVR yeah. and and, uh, and Allison Transmission in that they're, they're both share cannibals themselves, 
they're wanting to be sure cannibals, but one is doing it the right way and one is maybe not so. Um, yeah, and I think it, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, just to to be to be fair to NVR or to to Allison, NVR is not necessarily doing it because they're allocating it well. It's just their share prices never go too high. <laughs> yeah, right? so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think this was an interesting case study. Um, more to come, guys. More to come. But uh, any any last words before we close out, Hardy? No. Uh, you know, uh, if you. Uh, want to tell them about apple podcasts and you know yeah and the website too about um, emailing us. for sure yeah so uh, you know we, we talked about this in the previous episodes um we are in the process of um sort of building out a website for you guys um it's a database that will contain uh, financial information about publicly traded companies and it'll also have a curated list of companies uh, that fit sort of the descriptions that we talked about for sure cannibals and um, for for other things like spinoffs and things like that. And so as we are building this out, we want to build it with a community. We want to build it with you guys. So if you are interested in beta testing our website, our, our product, um, please reach out to us at info at valueinvestor.org. Uh, we'll keep uh, a running list of uh, beta testers who, would, who are interested. I think that would help us. And also, I would like to add that um, you know we're trying to get our word out there. We want um, we want to um, we want to let you guys know about investor investor value investor TV. And one of the one of the best ways to do that is by uh, by Apple Podcast rating. It's a it's a rating that a lot of a lot of uh, these sites use to index podcasts. And if we have uh, more ratings on there, it really help us to get ourselves uh, out there. So. Uh, if you could take a minute or two to just go into the Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star rating, that would help us out tremendously. And tell your friends and tell your family and tell uh, tell your acquaintance about the, the benefits of Value Random Investor TV. strangers you meet on the street, tell on the them street, too. Just grab them and say, Have you, do you know about Value Investor TV podcast? Yeah. <laughs> They'd like to know. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll close this one out. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you guys for joining. Yeah, thank you.